Thank you for tuning in. Today I am joined by Ron Foss and Ryan Belchins of eBay Motors. Sure. Well, thank you for having me. It's a wonderful opportunity. Yeah, thanks for having us. So for our listeners who don't know Ron, Ron, can you give us a little bit of background about yourself and uh, what you're doing on the podcast? Uh, I'm the grandson of George Foss, who was the um, builder of the first successful gasoline engine automobile in Canada. I was built in Sherbrooke, Quebec in 1897. About three years ago, I decided it was time to get that story better told and went out on a mission to uh, not only get the story better publicized, but also to take on the challenge of building a replica of the original car. And can you explain to our listeners what the vehicle looks like? Sure. Well, this is fairly basic. I mean, it's, it's really nothing more than a horse carriage box on a set of racing sulky tires and a front-mounted single-cylinder three-and-three-quarter horsepower engine. Uh, pretty simple. Uh, no roof, no brakes. <laughs> it was designed simply to get to and from very short distances. Yeah, I, I didn't know that about the uh, the no brakes thing. I guess you're probably not moving too fast to begin with, though. Well, that, that's, so there's two parts to that. Yeah, for sure. The top speed was about 14 miles an hour on pretty rutty, dirty, muddy roads. So coming to a stop probably wasn't much of a challenge all by itself. But the clutching mechanism, uh, because there was a two-speed forward gear shifting mechanism, uh, would allow the vehicle to come to a stop. Right, good. And why is the Fossmobile an important piece of Canadian automotive history, in your opinion? Well, I think it's a Canadian first. And, you know, as, as Canadians, we often don't celebrate enough uh, some of the things that we've been able to accomplish. And while my grandfather never commercialized the Fossilville, as, you know, Henry Ford did as an example in the U.S., uh, I still think it's worthy of automotive historians and an automotive perspective for Canadians to understand that there was somebody actually pre-Ford who had built a gasoline engine automobile uh, and successfully ran it for four years uh, within Sherbrooke and back and forth a couple of times to Montreal. Yeah, very good. Now, Ryan, I know you've been fairly dormant on this, but uh, sorry, I got, kind of got sucked into Ron's story here. For other hobbyists, other DIYers, other restorers like Ron, how can eBay help? What tools are available at eBay to help with these kind of projects? Yeah, I think I think you hit it. Is it's it's very easy to get kind of sucked into Ron's story. So I'm actually very grateful that Ron joined us today, and really actually proud of proud of eBay and the and the role that we could kind of play a small part in his build. It's awesome. Like we can tell a, an amazing Canadian innovation story. You know, I think he's done a great job showcasing his family's history, but also really you know the ability to connect communities uh, and the and the Canadian history. I think as far as if you're starting your own restoration today, you know, as as Ron can kind of attest to eBay is the, is the destination and we've always prided ourselves on being that, that spot to find anything and everything. So if it's a hard to find or unique part, typically, you know, we never go back 120 years uh, or that far, but uh, you know, it's, it's amazing to be a part of that journey and to be able to kind of support that build. So if you are starting a restoration, you know, you can go on the site, you can enter your make model, you know, that'll give you a curated list of, of parts from over 40 million parts we have available today. And you can access parts from across Canada or, you know, around the world. There's over three parts sold every second in North America on eBay. So you can definitely find what you're looking for. And you can also find the community that's also just as passionate about the projects and what you're, what you're interested in as well. And I, and I think it was really great to have Ron uh, kind of speak to the, you know, the legacy that he's, he's kind of keeping alive. Yeah, I think it's a great story. Now, our listeners might be wondering why this is being covered on an eBay podcast. So 
how did eBay support the assembly of this vehicle? Because this is obviously going to be a lot of parts that are not readily available, a lot of challenges that are kind of unique to reconstructing a basically prototype vehicle. Yeah, so there's a lot within that question, and, and I'll, I'll kind of do it in layers. Um, first and foremost, we have never found the original fossil build. So we're rebuilding and re-engineering from old photographs. Uh, we were fortunate enough to, um, to take a look at a, a, a 1901 Crestmobile, which a lot of evidence would suggest was built from the original fossil bill. And so when I decided we were going to build this, I thought we were going to pretty much have to fabricate everything from scratch. But I began to acquire period correct parts, the engine being the first, uh, and then the chassis, wheels, and body I was able to locate as well, all predating 1900. So that gave me a huge head start in relation to the fabrication of the vehicle. But I realized that for a lot of the smaller parts, while I had photographs to go from, uh, if I could find something similar or very closely related from the period, then the authenticity of our build would be way more accurate than have, having to build it just you know, uh, from fabricated brand new parts. So I started searching eBay and eBay became my best friend. I mean, it is one of the world's largest marketplaces for items of all type, but certainly in the automotive sector, you can find almost everything you could possibly need. And lo and behold, I found things like a mixing valve. Uh, there was no carburetor in this car. It was the only use, use mixing valves. Well, mixing valves stopped being produced in about 1903 or four. So to be able to track one down and find one will just show you the example of the vastness of availability that anybody using eBay for parts or, or period correct pieces of anything, you know, it's, it's, it's wonderful. And then, you know, to add to that, you've also got how eBay operates, which is, you know, money back guarantees and if things don't work out. And it, I mean, it's just a whole bunch of things that come with the advantages of, of using eBay. So most of the, what I call the secondary or small parts, one way or the other were sourced through eBay. I mean, the, the natural question that is kind of coming to my mind is, how did eBay even have these parts available? I mean, there, there cannot be a huge market for these whatsoever, I, don't, I wouldn't think. I would tend to disagree a little bit on that because there are a lot of automotive historians and, and people out there, you know, either building or rebuilding uh, automobiles of, of various vintages and various periods. I probably go back a little further than most, but... You know, there are barnfuls of parts and, and available at various auctions and flea markets and swap meets and these kinds of places. And, and EJ, eBay just is a, a place for people to put these items up if they haven't sold at the local swap meet. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, these, these parts don't really go away. They, they still do exist somewhere, right? Yeah, I mean, in, in fact, there's probably more parts out there that are being presented as being available. I mean... You know, you, you, you know that there's shows and places where people are going around to various locations and finding all sorts of interesting things that are tucked away in, in places not necessarily thought about on a daily basis. Now, Ron, what does it mean to you to see sort of this story being told, to get getting out there and telling people about the story of the Fossmobile and your role in it? Yeah, it's, it's extremely rewarding. I mean, not much has been told of the story since the early 1960s. Uh, while my grandfather was still alive, he received two honorary memberships, uh, one from the Vintage Automobile Club of Montreal, 
and the other from the little more prestigious Antique Automobile Club of America, both still in existence today and both supporting our effort to, to rebuild the Fossilville. And so, you know, as we get the story out there, we've been published numerous times now. Uh, we've been covered by all the major networks. Uh, we have just received an award actually uh, from Quebec called the Richard Evans Award. Uh, for outstanding community heritage achievement. Um, so, you know, that's a pretty significant feather in our cap to be able to start receiving the kind of acknowledgement that I think my grandfather deserved when he was alive, quite frankly, but just never, you know, sourced or went looking for it on his own. Well, I think it's a good thing that you, you sort of picked up the mantle there and, uh, you know, I'm sure you're very well deserved of these awards and recognition as well. Yeah, thank you. Obviously, this is quite an endeavor you're taking over. It's quite a task. You know, can you share a couple anecdotes or something that, you know, our, our listeners might find kind of amusing or interesting throughout your journey in this restoration or refabrication? Yeah, there's quite a few of those. I'll, I'll focus in on one. So this is a train, a chain driven vehicle. There was a sprocket on the engine that uh, ran a chain to two sprockets that changed the gears to two forward speeds to then a chain running to the rear differential. And, and when we first received the chassis, that was about a 1900 period chassis, there was a chain intact, albeit not in great condition. And when we put the whole thing into an acid bath and brought it back out again, the chassis itself was in pretty good shape, but pretty much the chain had disappeared. And we realized that it was um, what, what's called a one inch block chain detachable, which means each link of the chain is represented by six individual pieces. And if you don't have correct tension on the chain, then those pieces all begin to come apart. And we decided when we were going to you know, put on our chain, we were going to find a one inch block chain attached so we wouldn't have any of this difficulty of the chain just kind of disintegrating while we're in the middle of a car show or something. Yeah, very good. And Ron, just before I let you go, just out of my natural sort of curiosity, what's the investment, both in terms of time as well as money that would you estimate you've uh, spent on this so far? Well, I haven't tracked my time, although some people said I probably should have, but we've been at it for about three and a half years. And I pretty much uh, have it as a full-time job because there's, you know, there's been multiple segments to it, I, you know, from the parts acquisitions to the design work, to the actual um, building and or fabricating, which, you know, had three different parts to it because I had to get the chassis and the mechanical aspects done in one location, uh, the body itself is wood, the seat is wood, the cowling is wood that covers the engine. So I had to find a wood craftsman to do all that part of it. Somebody else did the wheels, somebody else did the springs. So, you know, you have to, you have to source all that. You have to find individuals willing to do it. Um, uh, sponsorship and, and uh, fundraising initiatives have been a huge part of our undertaking. So, you know, three and a half years, uh, perhaps not completely full-time, but certainly a lot of time. From an investment perspective, uh, I mean, the family is committed to this and, and we are you know, putting up the, uh, the, the money to make this happen. Uh, we are considerably over budget, which wouldn't surprise most enthusiasts to know <laughs> that these kinds of projects run over budget. And I didn't have a, a very good starting point to create a budget. So, but we are extremely grateful for companies like eBay who have provided sponsorship to us. And on our website, there's a list of our corporate sponsors and, and those who have been willing to give us a hand financially to make this project take place. That's great. And just one final thing before I let you both go, Ron, what is the website? How can people come check out the project? Yeah. So if they go to www.fossmobile.ca, 
they'll find not only the history, but all what we're doing to, to build the automobile. Um, plus there's a fairly intensive uh, photo gallery that shows the progression of each of the major components and parts. Uh, and there's a whole segment uh, in that photo gallery on the unveiling, because we unveiled the car about uh, two months ago now, uh, even though it wasn't fully complete, we felt we were far enough along and I wanted to unveil it in April because that was the actual 125th anniversary to the month that it came out of the shop in Sherbrooke. Well, wow, it's quite a history, quite a story. Ron, thank you so much for coming on. I really, really loved hearing the story. Pleasure. Thank you. And Ryan, nice to have you as always. Yeah, thank you as well. For more information on where to find your perfect part, please head on over to eBay's website, ebay.ca slash motors. That takes us for another episode of our five-part series with eBay Motors. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next time.